0: Welcome to another episode of the Drama New South Wales podcast. Today I speak to Anna Lee Russo, somebody who is incredibly thoughtful when it comes to teaching, explaining, and working through the unit Black Comedy. She is an expert when it comes to this field. She has marked in it, she has taught it, and she knows quite a lot about it. This podcast episode is one where I think if you study this unit of work, you'll be very glad. Have the rubric explained by Annalie Russo in the following podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Annalee Russo is currently the head of drama at Loretto Normanhurst. She went into teaching as a mature aged student after studying a Bachelor of Law and a Bachelor of Creative Arts, majoring in theatre performance at Wollongong University. She has worked as an actor spending a considerable amount of time touring with theatre in education companies. Seeing the power of theatre to educate and engage young people eventually called her to the classroom. And in 2010, Anna Lee received an Outstanding Education Graduate Award from the Australian College of Educators on completion of her Diploma of Education at UNSW. She proudly volunteered as a committee member of Drama New South Wales for three years and has marked all areas of the HSC drama exam. Anna Lee enjoys marking the written paper as it gives her an insight into the amazing work that is happening in drama classrooms across the state. Thank you for joining us today, Annalie. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. No worries. So I'm just going to start by reading out the rubric because it's not a very long one. The rubric for black comedy says this, this topic explores theoretically and experientially modern comic plays from different countries that deal with what is often uncomfortable or suppressed. Students must investigate the nature of comedy and use of humour to confront an audience with human experiences of pain, loss, the controversial or the taboo. In particular, by engaging with the forms, styles, techniques and conventions of the plays, students assess how audiences are affected and whether laughter provides a cathartic experience in this style of theatre. So what do you think are the main things that are really important to consider from this rubric? It's lots of different uh, words and phrases about comedy in there, Um, but what do you think really stands out as what we need to focus in on?
1: Well, I think from the get-go, you know, the first sentence talks about comic plays from different countries that deal with bodies uncomfortable or suppressed. And straight away students need to recognize that that's, that's often the first convention I pull apart with students. These plays will always deal with, we can always expect that they're going to deal with uncomfortable things that we don't want to talk about in a comic way. So understanding that from the get-go is really important. I think what's also important is the next phrase that talks about the nature of comedy and the use of humour to confront an audience. I do think it's important to pull apart the nature of comedy, and I might go into that in a minute, but basically understanding what it is that makes us as human beings laugh. Why do we laugh? And then, then understanding the use of humour to confront an audience with these painful things is, why is humour and laughter a useful tool in order to confront and deal with these painful experiences. The playwrights have made a deliberate choice to use this form of theatre, to use comedy as a tool, in order to get these messages across. So it's important to unpack that, and I'll get into that a bit later. Um, obviously, then the next bit, pain, Lost the controversial taboo. I think it's really um, useful for students to, after they've read the plays, I usually introduce the rubric after I've read the plays, is to go through the plays then and think about what are the painful experiences in these plays, what's controversial, what's taboo, and actually differentiate. Mm. Um, So if you get a question about the controversial, making sure your examples or the moments you choose from the play are controversial versus something that's taboo, things as a society we shun away from and don't want to talk about. So understanding the differences between those. Mm -hmm. Then understanding the form, styles, techniques and conventions, like you're in Australian drama as well, it's important you understand those and why the playwrights have picked uh, or made choices with those things. So asking yourself, for example, with Martin McDonagh's play with Lieutenant of Inishmore, in terms of form, why has he chosen to structure this play as this unrelenting series of events with no interval that just builds upon the gore, guts and violence and it builds to this crescendo at the end? Or why does Labute in the shape of things structure his play as this series of vignettes where Adam is continually shaped? In terms of style, why is Labute using realism? What effect does that have on us as an audience? Why does Wilding in October use satire? Why does Pinter draw on those absurdist techniques? It's important you understand that and why the playwright has chosen to make those choices and then how it impacts the staging and then impact on the audience. Um, How audiences are affected, I think that part of the rubric is important and you know as drama teachers and drama students that the audience is the most important person or, you know, plural, people. (laughs) But um, without an audience, there's no theatre. And I sort of ask students to think about what's their, when we talk about how audiences are affected, what's their first instinctual response to what they're watching on stage And then later, and I think this is one of the beauties of black comedy, is after you've had that instinctual response, whether you laugh, you cry, you turn away, what's the cognitive response that happens later? What are you left thinking about? What are you questioning? And then, of course, there's the C word at the end of the rubric. There's cathartic, the catharsis. And... I think just as important as the word catharsis is a word that is, just comes before it. It says whether laughter provides a cathartic experience. And I think um, it's, it's important to recognise that the playwrights don't always provide a cathartic experience for their audiences in this play. And I mean, of course, that's subjective. Audience members will have different experiences, but I think students need to think about why labute denies a catharsis Mm. at the end of the shape of things why does he leave them in that torturous pain there with adam sitting in the room (laughs) i would argue as well that wilding denies us of that in october whereas in lieutenant finishmore you go "Ah," and you have this huge sigh of relief and you have this full purging of emotions and you do walk out of the theater somewhat refreshed refreshed and purged of all those pent-up feelings of Of tension and fear. And I think as well, you know, with catharsis, it's important for students to be able to differentiate between comic relief Mm. and catharsis and and make sure they know the difference between that. You know, there's comic relief throughout all these plays. It's peppered throughout. We have these little moments we're allowed to just take some relief from the tension or it provides that comic relief provides a buffer Mm. so that we can actually deal with the issues. Whereas catharsis isn't always there, that full um, purging of emotions where we're refreshed and cleansed after we leave. Mm. It's enough, that sense of resolution.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that's the rubric in a, in a <laughs> nutshell. I think that's so true. I mean my experience of black comedy is definitely that sense that you, you it's not always going to be the same reaction as an mm-hmm. audience member. But there's always a very strong reaction, whether it is the catharsis that is there, or whether you are literally left without that catharsis. And um it just haunts you almost. Mm. Um and the beauty on, and the kind of power of this area. Absolutely. Because the it's so profound sitting in a theater and watching those controversial taboo uncomfortable things uh in a comical way um it really does stick with you in that way so i think you spoke about that beautifully oh thank you <laughs> um, so the rubric talks about investigating the nature of comedy and humor mm-hmm. uh do you do that in a wider context first of all and then come to the plays or do you just start off by going straight to the plays i do start in a wider context i um, I break down that, that
1: section, nature of comedy and use of humour to confront audiences into two so that students have an understanding of, how, of comedy and how it works and what it, how it can be used as a tool before we get to the play. So I pull out ideas about why we laugh. And, again, this is just my own ideas, but with a bit of research, we, you know, and I've got a great team of teachers, we, we sort of found three basic principles of why we think people laugh. So, we break it down to these things, and this is what I do with students. We break down um, into these three sections. So, we laugh because something might be unusual, and that humour is often derived from um, the idea that we push what we expect as a society, or um, we push things that are a bit strange, absurd or foolish. So, so, the first one is the unusual. The second reason that we talk about why we laugh is when something is familiar, when we recognise ourself in it, so that we laugh at that. Um, a bit like, you know, Funniest Home Videos, we've all done things like that, we've all <laughs> tripped fallen, and made fools of ourselves. And then the last thing that we talk about is the upset in power, when something is flipped and it sort of goes all the way back to Commedia de Latte, where you see the lower status character end up on top. You know, it's not funny to see a beggar in the streets or a homeless person hit with a cream pie in the face, but as soon as Donald Trump gets hit with a cream pie, it's funny. So we break it down to those three principles. We laugh because something is unusual, something is familiar, or there has been an upset in power where status is inverted.
0: Mm.
1: And there's so much fun you can have in the classroom with that, um, playing with incongruity, that, that idea that things are unusual, things are incongruous. So I do some improvisations at the start of the unit to explore those concepts, you know, Oh, you say, now improvise a surgeon who's afraid of blood, who's undergoing a procedure. And, yeah, so we play with some improvisation and explore it both theoretically but also on their feet and we identify, you know, what's funny and what you've watched on stage and can you link it back to those three principles? And then in terms of the use of humour to confront audiences, I usually do that once we've read the play and we discuss the fact that, These playwrights have used humour and laughter to help us deal with things that would be otherwise too painful to watch. Mm. And I often use the quote in class that comedy makes a bitter pill easier to swallow. I I can't take um, credit for that. And I wish I remembered where I read it, this idea that comedy makes a bitter pill easier to swallow. So the idea that comedy is used in this style of theatre to provide a buffer for the audience um, because without it, otherwise we'd turn away. You know, if you were watching that last scene, scene nine of Lieutenant of Inishmore, where there's blood and guts anywhere and Donnie and Davey are hacking and soaring at the body parts and there was no comedy, there was no banter between those two comic clowns, you would not be able to watch. You'd mm. leave the theatre. So that's how I break down those two things. So yes, I do the nature of comedy in a wider context before reading the plays, But then the use of humour to confront an audience, I tend to do once we've read the plays and they've got a good understanding of it.
0: Fantastic. And the rubric also says pain, loss, controversy and the taboo. So how do you examine the pain, loss, controversy and taboo in these plays while also finding the comedy in Mm. like your class workshops? So essentially like are the plays comedic in and of themselves or does it take the kind of performing and directing of them to find the comedy? Yeah, it depends on the play. I think some
1: of these plays are definitely funny just on their own. My first experience of McDonough's play, The Lieutenant Vinishmore, was um, when, when Belva I think it was 2003, put on a production of it. I hadn't even thought of being a teacher then. But anyway, I was there and it was hilarious on stage and it was very, very funny. Then 10 years later, when I decided I was going to teach this, when I read it on the page, it was just as funny. So that play is of itself funny, but then there are other plays on the list that students find it harder to see the comedy in. So Mm. when they read The Shape of Things or when they read Homecoming, Mm. they can't necessarily see the comedy and it does then take Mm. the performance part of it for them to find the comedy. So I guess when you're asking about, how we workshop those plays and look at those painful experiences, but still try and find the the comedy in it. I'll often set up a workshop where we say, right, today we're going to workshop this scene, have a brief discussion of the scene, and I'll ask students to identify, firstly, what in this scene is controversial or what is taboo, what is painful, et cetera, and then ask them to have a look at, are there any conventions or techniques used by the playwright on the page already that is providing comedy for us and if so if yes what else could you then bring to it to amplify that comedy or and sorry both sides what can you do to amplify the discomfort for the audience and what can you also do to amplify the comedy so what staging choices can you made make and then they go away and work with that and with the shape of things, sometimes they're like, oh, I can't actually find anything funny in this scene. Like, right? well, we're studying black comedy and there will be moments of comedy. So what, what can happen in the staging? And sometimes it's a really simple choice. It might be, you know, Adam really nervously tapping his foot while chewing his his fingernails and Evelyn slapping his hand mm-hmm. out of his mouth before he speaks. You know, I've had other really lovely simple choices made. Marade just twirling her hair as she flirts with Porry, but twirling it with her gun. Then I've had, you know, big elaborate staging choices made where students have the floor covered in blood and Donnie and Davy look at each other and fall back and make snow angels in the blood. <laughs> so they can be some really simple choices and I think students should remember that. They don't have to be these big staging choices. It might yeah. be just a moment where an actor paused and mm-hmm. in that pause there was a glance
0: yeah. that can create comedy or they can be
1: big elaborate staging choices as well.
0: And often those simple choices, I think as well, uh, the ones that are really, you know, we often think the big elaborate ones are the ones that we need, but those little simple ones are really easy for you to draw upon in your, in your writing as well because they're vivid, they're there, you made them as an actor or a director or you saw somebody else make them as an audience member And they don't require a huge paragraph to kind of explain what you're talking about. You can just beautifully refer to that scene and that pause or that moment or the gun twirling in the hair or whatever. And that is as valuable as the really, really big choices that you're making as well.
1: 100%. I think you're right, Sonia. And students should know you don't,
0: all you need is one moment in a paragraph
1: yeah. It needs to be evocative and we need to be able to feel like we're there in the classroom with you, but you don't need to be explaining a whole scene. Just focus on, you know, that moment to prove your point is enough. It can be simple and it doesn't have to be long.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's a nice segue to the next question. How do you approach the writing for this unit of work? Uh, this is hard. I think for me it always
1: depends on the cohort. So with my, the current year 12s I have, We've had a huge focus on just making sure they answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're very capable and they want to tell me everything they know and they know quite a bit. But unless you are answering the question, you're not going to get into that A range. So this year, our phrase with the year Code cohort has been are you dancing with the question? Are you dancing your own little solo over here or are you actually engaging with the question? Mm. But I know with the year 11s coming through, it's all going to be about structure, you know, mm-hmm. with their essay writing. But I, I don't know a few. I thought about a few pointers that maybe people might want to draw on. Yeah, great. Um, so after watching scenes in class, I'll often give the students thirty seconds. I'll say, have a pen and paper in your hand, and I want you to write a list of adjectives to describe the way you felt, or, or to describe your reaction to what you saw on stage. And you know, really reward creative responses and use of use of language that um, is highly evocative. And, and, and keeping a word bank for students to draw on. So that can be helpful. Mm. And the next one's more general and you would do this with whatever topic you're studying, but I do lots of peer and self-assessment with, with this work. So with writing, so I'll have, you know, a checklist for students, you know, have you actually written a topic sentence or a thesis that addresses the question? Have you clearly, and correctly identified the key conventions and techniques used by the playwright or the actors or the directors in this scene. Is my example really clearly on stage? And that's important. We know that as drama students, we're not writing like English students. Mm -hmm. We're writing from the point of view as an audience member and what the impact was on you or what your intention was as a director or actor for the audience in the scene. So is it clearly on stage um, or does it tell like a retell of the plot? I'll often ask my students, you know, if you give this example to your maths teacher, will they understand it and will they be able to see it on the stage? What else do I get? Oh, you know, I'll make sure that they're linking their ideas back to the question. Is there comedy in their example? Sometimes that's lacking. They get very caught up on issues and concerns yeah. sometimes. And I think that's a carryover. Once you've studied Drama and that rubric does talk about issues and concerns, they move into this, the topic's and they, they want to just talk about the issues concerns or, yes. you know, themes and we don't necessarily talk about themes, you know. So where's the comedy? This is a study of black comedy. Um, so there are a few things that I do with writing. One other thing that I do, and I think it works well with this topic, and if students are finding themselves time poor, is that we'll practice, I don't know how to word this correctly, but practice double paragraphs, i call them. So where they talk about the two plays within the one, paragraph because I think there's some really great comparisons that you can make between the plays here you know whether they're comparisons of the ending or comparisons about catharsis whether one of the plays offers a catharsis and the other one denies it there's great comparisons that could be made about situation or characterization in the plays so that's something else I think you know is a good tool for students to have
0: yeah the weaving together of the content it not just being one play, another play, and then the issues and themes kind of idea, but more that it's like it has to be a tapestry of all that information together in an essay.
1: Absolutely. You know,
0: we're studying we're studying black comedy. We're not studying two separate plays. Mm. Yeah. 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 No, that's so, great. I also really like that idea that, you know, one of the things students find difficult with drama is you're often studying these plays in term four of... Uh, one year and then term mm. one of the next and then it's the term four of that second year that you're actually writing about it so I like that you get them to write there in the moment write those kind of 30 seconds of uh, evocative writing about how they felt because it's keeping that alive for them and when they come back to that I'm sure that will spark for them the memory of the experience I um, hope so. <laughs> I yeah, think you do hope <laughs> you
1: just you just reminded me of something else that I do in the revision part when you come back to term three and you've got that little bit of window of time before they leave and then they go on exams is that we'll often do we'll perform paragraphs so taking all those elements of a paragraph and getting one student to you know as a group of students they'll try and come up with a topic sentence that address the question and then perform their example but have someone standing on the side narrating the example as if they were writing it in an essay. So you're yeah. seeing it and hearing it and we're seeing if it matches so mm. that we can clearly see what's happening on stage.
0: Yeah. Great. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Um, so what do you think is the most common mistake that students make when responding to essay questions for black comedy and how can they fix that? I mean, this might be general because
1: it can happen in any topic, but, The pre prepared answer is problematic.
0: Um, You really have to answer the question. Do you know I've been doing, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm doing these interviews for every single topic area. And when we get to that question, that is the same thing for every single person who's experienced, they say it's the pre prepared. So if you're a student listening, don't do the (laughs) pre-prepared. Please,
1: please don't. We want to see you engage with the question. Engage, engage, engage with the question. And when you're doing that, really think carefully. I guess the other thing in this area is is that students tend to fall back on the same examples because they know them well. Mm. But sometimes they don't always serve your discussion of the question. So if students listening have had a chance to look at last year's Black Comedy question, uh, which asked about the women <laughs> yes. in these texts, you, you weren't able to fall back on those pre-prepared examples because a lot of those examples involves just men. So that kind of brings me to my next point. Know the whole play and and part of my final advice to students would be is to go back and read those plays. There are gold moments in them. Even if you haven't workshopped them, know, so, so know the whole play but but read the play and imagine how you might direct a scene if you haven't, haven't already workshopped it. So, yeah, it's very powerful writing from the director's point of view. You don't have to, to have performed it in class. You think about what choices you would make on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, other common mistakes are when talking about relevant examples is making sure... So if the question asks about taboo, make sure you are actually talking about... That is about something in the play that is taboo, you know, a student in a practice essay I recently had tried to tell me that Adam's awkwardness was taboo I was like oh is it really Mm. is that really taboo there are plenty of other things in the play that in the shape of things that are really taboo um so in a few years back we had the HSC question about controversial The the word controversial was in there and one of the the points of difference that help, helped us um, differentiate between responses were were the examples really discussing things that were controversial or were they something else? Were they simply mm-hmm. just uncomfortable? I mentioned it earlier, but um, getting caught up on the themes or the issues and concerns and not discussing comedy is a, it can be a common error. Another thing, and I haven't, it's, it seems to be improving, and I think students are really getting this message, but... Sometimes you get students writing about workshops that aren't about the play. There might have been a warm-up improvisation or a game that their teacher played with them to help them understand a concept. But it is a study, this topic is a study of black comedy through these plays and through the performance of these plays. So those practice exercises or warm-up games are not going to serve you well as examples. Yeah.
0: All right, any final advice to students or teachers on this topic? I know it's quite a popular choice in the state as far as the amount of people that do it. Um, So, yeah, any final advice on this?
1: Um, I mentioned earlier, read the plays again and enjoy reading them. They're great texts, all four of them. They're they're very, very different. Um, I enjoy, you know, each year before marking, I'll read the four of them again and they're, they're great plays. So go back and read them. Another good thing to do would be to read some reviews often and look at the way reviewers use language to have a an impact on the reader. So, and I think it's really helpful as well to go back and look at reviews from when the play was first performed. How was this play originally received versus maybe how you're um receiving it now can can be interesting to look at. I think the early reviews of Lieutenant Vinishmore when it was first performed to talk about sick buckets for audience members in the front row. I mean, that's so evocative because, you, you know, straight away you get a sense of what this play is like. And I'm going to say this, and you'll think I'm mad drama students that are listening, but have fun writing these examples and writing about these plays. We know you've done brilliant things in your classroom. Have fun telling us about that and, and have fun with the language and description of those moments mm.
0: yeah, yeah yeah, That's- I think uh, drama teachers and markers love it when it comes to life in front of us when we read it. I mean it is hard though we 're asking students to to write these essays in such a short amount of time and in mm. stressful um, situations but If you can evoke within yourself as a student the memory of that classroom environment, I feel like it always comes through in the writing. So if you can bring yourself back in that exam room to those vivid moments of theatre, you are more likely to be able to translate that to a marker.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. I love that. You know, we want to feel like we're in the classroom with you. We want to have that experience with you. So yeah,
0: yeah, take yourself back and enjoy writing about it. Well, thank you so much for your wisdom and expertise and ideas. Oh,
1: my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And good luck, students. You've got this. We know what this year has been like. I think, you know, you could easily write a black comedy about 2020. I'm sure it <laughs> will be come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best of luck. And drama teachers, you're amazing.
0: Wasn't that fabulous? Annalie Russo really knows what she's talking about when it comes and i think that podcast is so helpful in just breaking down exactly everything we need to remember when it comes to writing for the exams and showing our knowledge on black comedy as per usual thank you so much for listening to the drama new south wales podcast we here at drama new south wales are producing this for the teachers and students in our state who we know need more and more information when it comes to best practice in drama Check South NSW out on Instagram and Facebook and make sure that when it comes up to signing up to be a member in 2021, you do that.